Jamie and I will be sharing in the reading of 1 Corinthians 13. And I pray as you listen to these uh, descriptions about love and Paul's words, that you will think about how God is calling you and challenging you today uh, to grow in this way. Listen to what the Spirit has to say to us today. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part, but when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to the childish ways. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part that I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these, is love. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, we give you thanks for the gift of this chapter about love, for the words of Paul spoken to a congregation that was struggling with love. And so we come praying that these words will become true in our lives, that they will challenge us to be more loving, but most importantly, to be more open to your spirit working through us to transform us. We pray this in the way of Christ. Amen. So as you might have noticed, any of you like the Beatles? The title, I stole it from the Beatles, hit song, All You Need Is Love. And today we have a, a two-part sermon series, which we will continue next week, of focusing on love and what it means. And I thought it's very appropriate to consider our popular culture and how we talk about love. Almost every song is about love in popular culture. When you think about it, there's a lot out there just to describe love to, or longing for love, or if you like country, any of you like country music? 
usually it's something bad that had gone wrong with your love, you know, whether, you know, she left you and then the dog died and the, the pickup truck broke down, whatever it is. Usually it's, it's because you have a broken heart and you're singing most of the time. I'm sorry, Joyce, if, if that was a misrepresentation of country music. <laughs> I've listened only to a few songs, but usually that's kind of a theme that I notice. But love is one of those central themes. And as I was preparing for this, I did a little bit of reading about this song, All You Need Is Love by the Beatles. I had no idea that uh, it was not just about romantic love. This was a message that was given in 1967. There was a first uh, satellite broadcast on June 25th that was going to happen. Uh, and this was the first time, again, for those of us who are old enough to remember that time, uh, we know that this was a big deal. Even when I was born, you know, this satellite business was really new to us. Now we don't think much of it, but this was a big deal. It was a two and a half hour broadcast. 14 countries came together and the theme was our world. And the BBC commissioned the Beatles to represent Great Britain. So this was the song that they wrote. It was an inspired song because they felt like, what does the world need? It needs more love. So they presented this as part of that broadcast and about 400 million people watched that. And of course it became an instant hit. And I asked Valerie Stevens to, <laughs> to sing a little bit of that song for us, just in case you only listen to country music and you've never heard the Beatles, I don't think so, but uh, just, to, just a little flavor of that song. And most of you probably know the chorus of All You Need Is Love, so if so, you wanna sing along, you're oh, no. welcome to. <laughs> it's all you need is love, mm, all you need is love, mm, all you need is love, love. Love is all you need, all you need is love, ooh, all you need is love, ooh, all you need is love, love, love is all you need. Thank you. Wow. I could have asked, if I knew Joe was coming today, we could have asked Joe for his guitar. Do you, do you play the bass, don't you? Could have given her some bass here. <laughs> In the first service, we actually watched a video of the song, of the actual broadcast, and I asked people what, what really struck them about the presentation. It was, you know, they were sitting and they're wearing all these colorful clothing, and of course it was in the 60s, you know, when it was, what is it, the flower power, and a lot of flowers, a lot of love, and a hopeful time that there was a message of love. Now, the only thing about that, of course, I, I mean, I, I love that song, but it tends to give us that sense that love is really simple and that love is just easy. It's not hard. It's not a challenge for us in, in daily life. But if we are really honest, we can think that love is really a challenge and it's very tough in daily life. It, we may be able to talk about it and really think, oh yeah, yeah, I'm, today I'm praying, today the message was about love in church, I'm gonna, tomorrow I'm gonna really get, uh, get up and really behave myself 
in loving ways, but it's not always easy. We know that. And I want to highlight to you something from the same year, 1967, about a person who knew that love is a challenge, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, he spoke these words about love. When I speak of love, I am not speaking of some sentimental or weak response. I'm speaking of that force which all of the great religions have seen as the supreme unifying principle of life. Love as a force, bringing people together. And so seeing that as not just something that, you know, it's, oh, it's all you need is love, and it's just simple, and, you know, why, why can't we all get along? Uh, knowing that life is very challenging. And of course, a few years prior to this, in 1963, uh, Dr. King wrote a letter from the jail in Alabama. Any of you have read the text? Very powerful letter because it was a response to eight pastors, white pastors in the South, who wrote a statement about what Martin Luther King Jr. was doing, saying, you know, this is untimely, this is a little extreme, your message needs to be toned down, people are not quite ready for this message. Now, think about that. These were Christian people. These were Christian pastors, not just people, and they were terrified by the message of uh, civil rights for all people and, and to see this message that he was presenting to be a challenge. So this is what he wrote, and uh, in, in, this is part of the letter in response. But though I was initially disappointed because they called him an extremist, but though I was initially disappointed at being categorized as an extremist, as I continued to think about the matter, I gradually gained a measure of satisfaction from the label. Was not Jesus an extremist for love? Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do to them that hate you and pray for them, and which despitefully use you and persecute you. Think about that. Jesus was an extremist for love. Do good to those who hate you. Uh, love those who persecute you. Love your enemies. And then he says, was not Amos an extremist for justice? Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Was not Paul an extremist for the Christian gospel? And he quotes Paul, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus, and then he goes on to other people, every one of them quoting uh, faith or saying, I stand here and I'm going to stand for love in the face of hate and injustice in the world. And so he says, so the question is not whether we will be extremists, but what kind of extremists we will be. Will we be extremists for hate or for love? Will we be extremists for the preservation of injustice or for the extension of justice? So today, a challenge to think about the words from Paul, 1 Corinthians, and the context of that letter. It was very, you know, when you think of the context of the words of Dr. King, you think tough time to speak about love when there's, there was so much hate directed at him. And to think of Paul, there was a lot of hate directed at him as well from the Corinthians. They, he was the pa founding pastor of that church. He established the church in Corinth, uh, got him on the right foot, but things didn't continue to be 
good there. They wrote him several letters. He stayed there about 18 months, and he worked with them and taught them, and he thought, you know, they, they, these people got it. But conflict happened. Imagine, in a church community, that would happen. That never happens in any church that I know. It always happens, and that, that's heartening for us to know that what he was writing was not the perfect kind of love that we think about on a wedding day or when we're really in a good place. But that love he was describing was supposed to be when there was deep conflict, when people were divided, when people were having a hard time with each other. And he talks about the primacy of love. Now, the church was divided over many issues because they reflected the culture. The culture in Corinth was that way. And there were people who were rich, separated from the poor. There were people who felt like they were more noble than others. Many divisions. And in the church itself, there were people who aligned themselves with Paul, people who aligned themselves with another teacher who came later, Apollos. Some people aligned themselves with Peter. Some people said, no, but we're, we, follow, we follow Christ. And they developed some tests, some measures. If you really are a Christian or if you really love this church, this is what you would do. Or you would have powers, tongues, or you can heal people. There were tests, spiritual tests, to really make sure this was the right person or you are part of the right group. So people felt superior to each other. They divided themselves and felt like, if you don't think like us, you're not a good Christian. Have you ever experienced that? Do you ever feel that way sometimes about other people or not just in the church, in your own life, when people think differently than you or when you are at home with your loved ones and they behave in ways that may disappoint you or may challenge your thinking or they may be really in conflict with you over a particular issue. Does that ring true in your experience ever? Conflict is part of daily life. But these words are also part of conflict. That's the challenge. It, it's that love is not this kind of mushy feeling that, oh, everything is going to be fine. Uh, I shared in the first service about, you know, be, the experience of being a parent. Holding that baby and holding you know, this new life in your arms, you're like, wow, I love this human being. I love, 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 love this human being. I've never felt so much love in my life until I held my own daughter in my own hands. But then she became two. It was hard. It was hard to love then because, you know, the toys were in the way, and I developed ways to control the, the, the massive mess of toys. There was one time I, I heard from a friend, I'm like, I like this idea, I'm going to use it. I had a toy uh, jail for toys. <laughs> toys that didn't get picked up went to jail, and if she didn't bail them out, uh, they went to the trash. I did it only one time, the trash thing. <laughs> Just an extreme because it was very difficult. You know, you're walking and then you step on something and then you're, it's a hazard in your house. So it's very difficult to love in those moments, to really feel loving, to really feel connected to that human being, even though you know that you love them. And then, of course, the teenage years uh, where uh, we're on the other side. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> she's 18, yay. 
But it is difficult to love. And don't tell this to Sophia. Joe, especially you, <laughs> if you see her playing tennis with you, don't say your mom gave the sermon about you. <laughs> it is tough to practice that kind of love. And that's the challenge for us today. How do you live it every day? How do you look at the world and how do you open your heart? And I don't have a real big answer for you, but I do know from experience is that prayer. Prayer is really a key piece. And that's why I, I pray personally not to change God's mind as much. It's been said. Prayer, it's not about changing God. It's about changing us. It's about opening our hearts to what God is doing in the world and joining that force, that fierce force for love. So it is breaking down those barriers, breaking down those um, likes and dislikes, our expectations, our pet peeves, the things we like, the things we don't like, the ways we judge others, to really let go and to love, to join the force of love in the world. It doesn't mean that we get walked all over by people. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean that, I, that if you're in an abusive relationship, I say, oh, it's okay, all you need is love. Not true. But love means that we act out of a place of care instead of out of anger, out of our needs, our ego coming and saying, no, I don't like how these people are acting and I'm gonna take revenge on them or I'm gonna find passive aggressive ways to undermine what someone is doing or saying. You know, we have all kinds of mechanisms in our lives of how we can react in unloving ways. And the challenge is that to trust that it's not going to be, you know, a straight line. You're not going to, I know tomorrow you'll wake up and you'll have other challenges that you never thought were coming your way. And to think of those not as, you know, a challenge for me to really, the world throwing really bad things at me, but as much as the world is bringing opportunities for me to love, to learn to be more loving. So to, to practice that daily and to be humble about it, to really recognize the successes, but also to come before God and to confess those signs when you don't succeed. Because every day comes and, you know, you have the best intentions. But prayer, I would say, is the key in all of this. So to look on your life and to consider how do you ground yourself each day in that eternal love? How do you wash your soul? I often think, you know, how many of us get up in the morning and don't brush our teeth? I hope none of you. Because we think, you know, it's a good thing. It's a really good practice. You know, it, it's good for your uh, teeth. It's good for people around you. It's, it's good on so many levels. You would really be in a bad place if you don't wash your face, if you don't take care of your, uh, your body uh, care, whatever you need to do in the morning. But think about that for our souls. Sometimes we neglect. We don't think, you know, I need, I need to really wash my soul today. Yesterday was really rough and I really messed up. What do I do today to really have that inter internal shower of love? How do I shower my heart with God's love? And remember to let go of the grudges or whatever it is that you're, or the fears. I read something this past week that I've been thinking about so much, and I thought, you know, that's tough stuff. Uh, and it said, um, fear is a good servant, but a terrible master. 
And all of us struggle with fear every day. There are so many things that could come our way that really make us so fearful and feel like we have to control life. So every day, I invite you to take the time, invest in that daily baptism, whatever it is for you. Claim your baptism in the morning, at night, every day, to really let go and to really walk in that path. And it's not, doesn't mean, don't get me wrong, you're not gonna be successful all the time. But the hope of this is that every day, every week, every year, we look back and say, am I a little more loving? And to celebrate that with God and to give thanks and to say, yes, I have found a way a little better this time. And the next time this is going to come at me, I'll know. I'll know how to go into my heart and respond from my heart. And so we, I'm going to give you a little bit of time to allow the Holy Spirit to work through this. And I hope this meal will be that for you, will be that internal connection with God. So what we're going to do is um, take a few moments to pray. And this prayer is from a book called Naked Spirituality by uh, Brian McLaren. And in this practice, he references uh, the, the call of Moses, uh, the burning bush, the story of the burning bush. Uh, Moses encounters God. And then he asks, you know, who are you? Who are you? Tell me your name so I can go back to the people of, uh, of Israel and tell them your name. And how does God respond? I am. I am. Or another translation, I will be who I will be. So God doesn't give... Um, Moses, an answer, a straight answer, but more of a relationship, a connection. I am. You know, it's not, it's not um, this, you know, this is my name. So this is the prayer. It's based on that. So I'm going to invite us to take a deep breath, maybe close your eyes so you can uh, look inwardly. Let the weight of your soul rest back on the presence and love of God in your life right here, right now. Just be here. I invite you to hear in your imagination the living God calling your name, maybe repeated twice as God called Moses and Paul. Moses, Moses, Paul, Paul. Let that voice call your name. And like Moses and Paul, I invite you to say in your spirit, here I am. You may want to progress to saying, here I am. Here you are. Here we are together. You may then want to let your here progress to who. Who are you? Who am I? 
who are we together? Who are you? Who am I? And who are we together? Try to let these questions give you permission to let your understanding and experience of God expand, transcend, and surpass your current understanding and your current way of love. Hold this space with here and who, and allow yourself to be embraced by the loving God in love. Amen.
Friends, we come to this table, we come invited to share in this table of love. This is a feast of love, of God's love being here with us. We're invited because we know the example of Christ, of unconditional love. All were included at this table, table where he shared with friends, but he also shared with enemies. He shared with people who were really of high society, but also who were outcasts. And this table changed everything. This was actually the symbol for the early church. Thinking of what made worship important was that they got together and they broke bread because this was the sign that Jesus gave to them as his loving presence. So we come invited today to share in the same meal and the, the same love. We're invited just as we are. Those of us who have come here many times, but those of us who might be coming here for the first time, all are invited because Christ is the host himself. Will you pray with me? Christ our host, Christ our guest. We come to this table knowing that there is no better place to meet you than at this table. Around this table, we know that we are welcome. The symbol of bread reminds us of your love given for us. The wine is an invitation to remember the joy of life. In you, O oh God, we come seeking refuge, but also seeking the courage to love as Christ did. Break open to us Christ's life of love. Pour out your Holy Spirit so that we may live each day dwelling in that love 
living it, sharing it, receiving it. By your indwelling spirit, may this bread be nourishment to our bodies and the cup a joy to be the vigor and vitality of the path of your love. For we pray this in the way and name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So friends, we come taking these symbols, uh, taking the bread, remembering that Jesus shared it with his disciples. And on the night of his arrest, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, take, eat, this is my body given for you. Whenever you do this, do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, we, he took the cup and after giving thanks to God, he gave it to them, saying, I will not drink of it until I drink it again with you in the kingdom of God. And so we come proclaiming this mystery of, of Christ's love for us, of the brokenness of this table, to break open our hearts to share and to receive the gift of love. And I'm going to invite the, the servants to come forward. There will be uh, three stations. Uh, we invite you to receive uh, the gifts by coming forward and uh, going to the station, taking a piece of bread, dipping it in the cup, and uh, eating it as you receive it. Uh, also, if you need to remain seated, one of the ushers will bring the elements to you. Just raise your hand. And so we serve this meal, but I pray for you today as you receive this gift to open your heart to the gifts of love in your life.
And we pray. O God, through this bread and this cup, you have made us one with you. And so we come praying that as we have shared here, we may share out there in our daily life and this feast of love to continue to share your ways of love. Help us to use these gifts, these experiences, these moments of prayer with you to inspire each day and each moment by the, the way of Christ, the way of love. Amen.